Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. So glad we could be together. If we haven't met, um, Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here. Uh, So glad for those of you who are tuning in online. It's good to be together. There's a lot of you here today. Uh, Memorial Day weekend is usually like one of our lightest Sundays of the year. But how many just needed to be in the house of the Lord today? I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. We need need to be together. We need to be here. We need to pray. Um, Terry and I started off both worship services today. If you notice, I walked in late because I just needed to be in our children's wing. And I sat with our kids at both of our services. I'm going to tell you something. You got some amazing children in this church. They were ministering to me over there. No, I'm serious. I was at 9 o'clock, and, and, and I, I, Terry and I, we asked. We said, hey, what are you guys learning? And the little girl had a ball, and she said, you fall down. She threw the ball down. She said, but you bounce back. And I'm like, wow. And then just this service, I mean, I got, I, there were like, like 10 of them were taking me, Pastor, you just got to understand, you just got to be on the right path. If you're on the right path, God will take care of you. It's like if you're in a maze, here's another boy jumped in. It's like if you're in a maze and you go down the wrong path, you get stuck. Do you ever get stuck, Pastor? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I think I want to sign up for be the children's pastor. How can you come in here and preach? But I needed to be with our kids. Um, in 2017, Terry and I were on a renewal leave, and I, I traveled around preaching some places. I preached in London, I preached in Memphis and Nashville, and went down to Little Rock to a friend of mine's church to preach. And uh, that Sunday, his daughter was missing, and they were concerned that she was abducted. And so Harry Lee, one of the pastors there, he got up in that service. He said, you know what? He said, sometimes it's just good to pray. And he invited us to break up into circles of three or four folk and, and to pray. And I'm, people that know me, I'm a little shy. I'm better in front of crowds than I'm one-on-one, especially with strangers. But I got to tell you, just being with people and praying that day was so much relief for me. And so we don't require you to do anything here, but we started our nine o'clock service this way. I think we've been through a heck of a lot the last couple of weeks, a heck of a lot. And uh, Second Chronicles 7.14 says... If my people, if my people who are called by my name, can somebody turn my TV on, <laughs> would humble themselves, right, and pray and seek my face, then I would hear from heaven and turn from their wicked ways. I would hear from heaven. I would heal their land. So we started 9 o'clock this way. I'm going to invite you. To, if you want to just stay by yourself, just that's fine. And pray, pray by yourself for just time of silence. Let's give ourselves maybe like four or five minutes. And would you just maybe gather in some circles and let's lift up prayer together. Can we do that right now? Can we do that?
Back to the live screen, guys. I'm going to ask Pastor Lori to come up. and Hey, you know, I, th I think that's about the best four minutes of preaching I ever did. <laughs> Jesus said, do you remember you went into a temple? Do you remember what he said? I thought I'd find a house of prayer. So I, I just think it's good to hear from one another. So Pastor Lori's going to seal what we just did today in prayer. Thank you, God. <clears throat> Lord, so many of us are grieving uh, the loss of innocent lives through violence, brokenness, and justice. But God, help our hearts to not grow callous so that our eyes cannot see or our ears cannot hear what you're saying to the church. God, break our hearts for the things that break yours, God. There's a world out there that needs you, and you use us, Lord. You use us. Lord, you say we are the righteousness of God. Do we know that? Do we act on that? Lord, just pray what Anthony, he talked about in his heart, uh, how these officers didn't respond. But God, you called the church to respond. Help us to run to the fire, Lord. There's a world burning out there. Use us not to just pray, but to act, Lord. And, Lord, it begins in our heart, my heart, your heart. And like Chip said, if my people who call me by name would humble themselves, humble us to the dirt, God, because pride comes before the fall, and that would turn and seek your face, not Facebook, not social media, but seek you. We need you. We're needy for your presence, God. And that we would repent, Lord, turn to you then only would you heal us and heal our land Lord you call us to be a city on a hill a light Lord and like Pastor Terry prayed this morning the light snuffs out the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it we're more than overcomers through Christ through Jesus we're covered in the blood so Lord use us use us Lord to put out the fire in Jesus of Nazareth's name amen amen, amen. thank you Lord well, I learned something this week, friends, um, I, from my Jewish friends. I live on a block that's called, used to be before I came there, was called Rabbi Row, because there's seven rabbis live on that block. Um, I moved in on Yom Kippur uh, 18 years ago and uh, saw all the people walking up and down the street. And there was a, a prototypical Jewish grandmother. She came in with a plate of food and she handed it to me and she said, you ruined everything. <laughs> And I'm like, look, ma'am, I, I do make people angry, but I've, I just got here. Like, I didn't do anything yet. And she said, well, we used to call this Rabbi Row. And then she smiled. She said, but now we call it clergy court. And it was the greatest blessing I ever got. And, uh, but I did talk to some of my Jewish neighbors. There's something, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. In Hebrew, it's called Bracha Levatla. Anybody heard of that? Bracha Levatla. You know what it means? In Judaism, if you pray for something and you don't act on it, it's called bracha levatla, which is, a, which is a painful sin. So as we've just prayed, right? They, in Judaism, if they pray over bread and don't eat it, then that's bracha levatla. And, and let's not commit that today. As we've prayed, let's commit ourselves to act. Remember that scripture, if my people... 
That's what God said. He didn't say them, those people out there, or those Republicans, or those Democrats, or those liberals, or those conservatives. If my people, who are called by my name, if they would get over themselves, if they would humble themselves, if they would put away political party, if they put away selfish ambition, if they put away their personal experience, if they put away their preference, if they get over themselves and humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, and I would hear from heaven and I would heal the land. I hope that puts as big a weight on your back as it puts on mine. God is expecting his people to be ambassadors for something better, for something bigger, for something purer. We're all hungry for that. And that's why I went into this week. I wasn't planning on preaching this, but we're in, we're in the wisdom literature, right? We're in Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes and Psalms. And I started thinking, man, this is a good place to be. Because Ecclesiastes said there's a time for everything. And he says, did you hear him? There's a time to weep. And there's a time to mourn. The worst pastoral care I ever did in my life was my first year in ministry. The first time somebody called me Reverend Freed, I went in the men's room and threw up. And there was a, a family, I was a youth pastor in a church in New Jersey. And there was a family who, uh, the husband and, and wife, had been killed in a car accident. And their two kids were like 8 and 11 years old. And I knew those kids. I, I just know them for a couple months as being a youth pastor in the church. And I hurried over to that house. And there was a, it was a, I think it was an aunt that was there in town. And she was a, she was, uh, she was very religious. I kept, how do I be nice? But I walked in and she said, hey, preachers, good you're here. I want to tell you something. I told these kids, they're going to buckle up. We're going to be good Christians. We're not going to cry, right? And I said, wrong. I said, I just came here to cry with these kids. She never spoke to me again. It was not good pastoral care. But for the next 20 minutes, that's what we did. We cried together because there's, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to weep. My sister, my big sister Shirley, when she was born, she's nine years older than me. My sisters were nine and 13 years older than me. So I was raised by three mothers. I was spoiled rotten. I'm really, I'm terrible. My, my sisters used to say, they talked to each other growing up. They said, remember in 1962 when the heavens opened and Jesus Christ was born into our house? Like, I was so spoiled. But my oldest sister, Shirley, she's nine years older than me, but she's, she tells the story that when she was born, her tear ducts were, were sealed. She couldn't cry. And they had to surgically open her tear ducts. And she said, Chip, once they did that, they just don't stop, Right? The tears come. Tears are the grace of God. I tell you, the older I get, when I was younger, you know the, the scripture, Jesus wept? All that was was an answer to a trivia question for me. Oh, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, right? The older I get, that verse is so important to me. And, and you know when that, when that happened? You know where that, that shortest verse in the Bible is? It's in the story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember? Lazarus has said, see how much he loved him. Put your name in there. That's that. Jesus loves you like that. Just like Lazarus. He loves each and every one of us. So put your name in that sentence and say, see how he loved him. And he, he wept. He went to the tomb actually angry if you read it. In the Greek he said he went to the tomb snorting like an animal. 
enraged. Why? Because death was not by God's design. That's why the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. We brought this pestilence in. We bring this wickedness in. We turn from God and, 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 and ruin the world. But Jesus at that moment, mad at death, but he stopped and he wept. And I think about this so many times. Why did Jesus weep? I mean, didn't he know what he was going to do in like two minutes? He was going to bring the dancing. He was going to bring the joy. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why in the world did he weep? Because any time we weep, God weeps with us. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And God is crying buckets right now in the wake of, of, of people, innocence, children, grandmothers, going to a grocery store, going to school, being, being murdered by us, by our fallenness, by our brokenness. And people of God, we got to stand up and we got to share a different way and we get, we got to hug our kids, and we got to we got to hug the world, and we got to go out into the world with love. And that's why I've said about Garfield Memorial since I've been here. I, I want Cleveland all around us to say, I don't know if I believe what they believe, but boy, am I glad they're here. <laughs> and that's the people we've got to be, bridge builders. When God said to the people at Sinai, I'm just preaching today, folks. I'm not even looking at this stuff over here. But when he said, I'm making you a kingdom of priests, the word priest in Hebrew meant bridge. I am making you bridge builders to help people come back to me and come back to one another. And that's why our 10-year mission and vision here is a renaissance of reconciliation, that we be, take up that mantle of reconciliation. And Jesus wept. When Jesus went to Jerusalem, he wept. And in this story today from Ezra, when the people are coming back out of exile, what happened in 587 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army came into Israel and destroyed Jerusalem and burnt the temple to the ground. God had warned them, don't take security just by saying, look at me, I'm a Christian, I have fire insurance, I'm going to heaven. But live as one, live as a follower of God. And they strayed and they began to worship idols and they, they began to worship their money and they began to worship their house. And, and God said, there's not false protection here. And Babylon comes in and destroys them and takes them into exile. For 100 years, a century, people were cut off from the land, cut off from Jerusalem, cut off from the place where heaven and earth kissed, where they believed that they, they knew who they were because they knew whose they were. And now they're in a foreign land. And if you read the scripture, they couldn't even sing. Two young men sang earlier this morning. Dre and Leah sang today. Sometimes we just need music, don't we? Some, uh, one writer said, singing is a mode of expression that resides in our imagination. And nothing else can get quite there. Sometimes we just need the sound of singing. And they are so cut off at this moment, they can't even sing. Look what Psalm 137 says. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion, Jerusalem. There on the poplars, those are trees, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. They tormented us, demanding songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? It's a time to weep. It's a time to mourn. And they were weeping and they were hurting. They'd lost their tune. They lost their voice. And Walter Brueggemann, a great 
uh, Old Testament scholars said, if you read the Psalms, the Psalms have three stages, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. In other words, orientation, that's a time we feel life is going pretty good. And maybe when we first got to know God and, and we first submit our life to Christ and, you know, things are pretty good, but then in comes life <laughs> and we get disoriented. Brueggemann said the Psalms give us the permission to scream. And they lament in the Psalms, but then they come to a place of reorientation. Look at these people coming back from exile, back from a place they couldn't sing. And the first thing they do is rebuild the foundation of the temple. That's why I asked you how many you needed to be in the house of the Lord today. Because when the earth shakes under our feet, we have a foundation, the Bible says. We have a sure rock to stand on. And they relayed that foundation. And friends, we got to we got to build on that foundation. I'm going to tell you, I'm so proud of those kids over in that wing because they, they were steadying my aching heart because they're learning about a sure foundation, something that's not going to shift. It says in Hebrews, now that we've been given a kingdom whose foundations cannot be shaken, let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and with awe. They're reorienting their life. They're singing songs to God. I, I, for whatever reason this week, I turned to a Christmas song. Like, I don't always sing Christmas carols in July or June or whatever it is, June. I don't even know what month I'm in this crazy time. But, you know, Christmas carols, somebody once wrote, a great theologian said, if you listen to all the Christmas carols, he said they're protest songs. Protest songs. Where's Pastor Terry, our resident hippie? She, she, you probably sang some protest songs back in the day. Um, what's, what's that group? Peter, Paul, and Mary? I'm, I'm old. Um, my wife is going to, she's going to be in the car today. I feel it. Please don't use those old illustrations anymore. Anyhow, they're protest songs. Christmas carols are protest songs. They're protesting the darkness of the world. When we sing, Hark the Herald, we're, we're saying that light has come into the world and that, that light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so this morning I, I was thinking about a Christmas song written by a Longfellow, um, that, that he actually wrote it during a battle in the Civil War that he was witnessing. And I, I think it speaks to this, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Well, he said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. In music suite, the tones repeat. There's peace on earth, goodwill to men. Orientation. Watch the next verse. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Disorientation. But look at this last verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. We need to be people of reorientation. We need to help people reorient themselves back to the sure and steady foundation of a good and loving God who, who yearns for all of his children to come home. And these people in Israel, it was so wonderful that they go back that the first thing they do is to rebuild the foundation of the temple. What, what do you need to rebuild? What, what needs rebuilt in your life that we can stand on something firm? 
you know, on, on Christ the solid rock I stand, right? We used to sing, all other ground is sinking sand. What do we, what do we, we need to get to? In fact, in Persia, when the people were, when they would refer to uh, Jerusalem, see the Persians came in and defeated Babylon. It was Cyrus, the king of Persia, that let the people go back to Jerusalem. But they had a term for Jerusalem. They said, oh, that's the place beyond the river. For them, that was just Google Maps. But for Israel, that was home. Do you know all of us are yearning for a place beyond the river? All of us are hungry for, for our real home. It's a memory trace back to God. You know, I, I, I was reading a book by a, a, actually an agnostic. It was a book called uh, uh, Nothing to Be Afraid Of. It's written by a guy named Julian Barnes. You know what the opening line is? I don't believe in God, but I miss him. This is an atheist. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. He said, I was never baptized, never sent to Sunday school. I've never been to a normal church service in my life. And yet this haunting feeling is inside of me when I see Christian art and I hear the music and it's a wake-up call for my own mortality. See, we all have that hunger. This is the voice that you've been hearing. This is the stirring that's in your heart. We're hungry for home. We're hungry for a place beyond the river, something better. That's why I, I love, uh, you know, Abraham when it talks about, you know, Abraham was doing pretty well. He did fine with his 401k. He had a lot of money. He had goods. He was living in Iraq in this little town, very comfortable in his retirement. But even then, he knew he needed something more. And Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith. He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This is what we're yearning for. This is what we're striving for. This is why we widen the circle. This is why we connect diverse people who share a common brokenness that we're all part of. But we connect what? With Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 11 would say. And as we build that bigger world, I was thinking of something in this whole ministry of reorientation. Um, Pastor Terry had shared with me a story I wasn't familiar with. If you know, in the, the southern region of Africa, there's a country, Mozambique. I, di I didn't know the, the story of Mozambique. When they finally decolonized, they, they entered into 15 years of civil war. And that war raged until 1992 when a peace treaty was signed. Do you know who led the effort for peace in Mozambique? Churches. It was churches, Anglican churches and priests were praying and working for peace in the world. And, and finally the civil war stopped in 1992, but they had a problem. They said there's 7 million guns in our country and, and we gotta do something about that or people will just go to war again. So you know what they did? They started a project, the churches in Mozambique called Swords into Plowshares from Isaiah. And the churches went out and for every gun that was turned in, they got an agricultural tool, a shovel, a rake, something they could, they could farm with. One town turned in so many guns that they gave them a tractor. 600,000 guns were collected by churches, by churches. 
And if you go to the London Museum, there's a wonderful piece of sculpture. We've got a picture of it here. It's called the Tree of Life. And they built that with guns that had been turned in. It weighs over a ton. And then people in Mozambique said, never again. Swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. And, and it, was, it, was, it was led by churches. Friends, people of God, if my people, right? My people, if they would reflect that light, if they would build trees of life, if they would build wells of water, then people could come and drink and learn from that. So I got three little points I'm going to share with you. We're going to talk more about these in the fall. But our Vision 2020 team that worked so hard for us, they're still working about how do we live out this 10-year renaissance of reconciliation. And kind of our words for this year, they just kind of came to me in meeting with that group and praying. And you know, I'm a preacher, so everything I got to use, like everything's a G in here. But I got three words for us. Gather, grow, and guard. Gather, grow, and guard. Gather community. Grow spiritually. Guard unity. This is our call right now as a church. We need to gather community. And if you're worshiping online, we're so glad you're with us, man. But reach out to Pastor Kurt and reach out to us in some ways. Hit us up at information at Garfield Church. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling broken, if you need somebody to pray with you, that's been on my heart. Anybody here in the sound of my voice, anybody online, if you're just like, I, I'm losing hope, I need somebody to pray with me, would you just email us, info, I-N-F-O, info at garfieldchurch.org. We will have somebody call you, give us your phone number, and pray with you, and they'll be your prayer partner. I'm just declaring that because we need to connect with community. COVID tore us apart. We need to rebuild ourselves back together, bone upon bone, flesh upon flesh. We're designed for this. We're designed to be in community, and we need to gather community. Whether That means everybody, but people that belong to church, people don't belong to church. Get into community. Hug our kids. Love these young. Why are we letting the Internet radicalize our youth? We should be doing that. We should be assaulting them with the message and the glory and the good news of Jesus Christ and let them know how loved they are by God. We've got to gather. We've got to gather community. When the people came back, they came back at the temple mound. They stood on the foundation together, some with joy, some with tears. Did you hear it? So much joy and so much tears. There's so much noise you couldn't even tell the difference. And that's what the Bible tells us. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, but do it together. We need to gather together. One of my favorite stories, I don't want to mention his name, but we had an individual here who went through a real tough time in our church. And way back when, he had to go serve six months in prison. And uh, the day he got out of prison, it was a Sunday. And uh, his wife picked him up, said, hey, we're going to go home. He said, don't take me home, take me to church. And I was on this very stage preaching. I still remember Joe. It's not his real name. Joe walked through the back door, and I'm in the middle of my sermon. I said, oh, my gosh, here's Joe. I said, hey, guys, I don't know if you know Joe, but Joe's been through hell recently. And let's just welcome him home. And everybody, man, it was like LeBron walked in the room, man. We were high-fiving. We were cheering. We had a big hug fest. And uh, somebody told me, a member of our church said they, they were so moved by everything. They went to their job the next day, and they, they told the story of what happened. They said, this is so awesome. It's kind of like us breaking into prayer today. And there was, a, there was a highly religious person on the job and said to her, she goes, I can't believe your pastor would stop his sermon to welcome somebody back from prison. And she said, 
I go to that church because my pastor stops his sermon to welcome somebody back from prison. We need to gather together. Jesus said, how many times I want to gather you, just like a mother hen gathers up her young. And, he, and, and he's sending us to be the gatherers. Let's gather community and let's grow spiritually. That's our second word, grow spiritually. How all of us need to rebuild that foundation in our life. There was a time in 2010, I was going through some burnout and we had a beautiful family in the church said, hey, we got this place down in South Carolina. Would you just take your family and go chill for a week or something? And we did. And while I was down there, I learned just down the road from where we were in 2010, there there was the Institute for Business and Home Safety in South Carolina and they had a $40 million like experiment going on and they were experimenting houses with hurricanes because a lot of hurricanes come in there. And one of them was a house that was built to the standards, the state standards, the specs. And they had another house that was built that had a technology that you could attach from the foundation to every floor of the house, including the the roof. That it's it's strapping, but it wasn't very obvious. It was in the architecture. And they wanted to see how the two held up. The normal house that was built and the house that was strapped to the foundation. So they had these fans that blew 110 mile an hour winds. And after 10 minutes, the house for specs fell apart. And the other one suffered no damage. And at the end of that test, the, the, arch- the engineer said in the press, he said, the bottom line you have to ask yourself, which house would you rather live in? Which house would you rather live in? Have the firm foundation. Be str- what are you strapped to? Right? Are you- we need to be strapped to the foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord. The church's one foundation, the old saints used to sing, is Jesus Christ our Lord. What are we strapped to? We need to continue to build that foundation in each of every one of our lives. I learned a long time ago, you can't give what you do not have. And you can't lead where you will not go. And my wife and I, I'm going to tell you, with the events of these last two weeks, and I can say on behalf of both of us, we were feeling the despair creeping in. And you know what we did? We absolutely recommitted ourselves to service and ministry in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are not going backwards. We're going forward. We're going to go out with the message of hope and light and grace and love. If the rest of the world goes to hell around us, we're going to stay strapped to that foundation of Christ. And I, I invite all of us to do that. And then the last word is guard unity, right? We have a church, when I go around and do teaching, you don't know how rare it is in our country where there's churches with people of different color of skin actually go to church together. You just don't know how rare that is. And so they bring us out. You know what's even rarer now? That you have people like Republican and Democrat going to the same church, liberal and conservative. That's even more rare right now. But this church, I I always tell folk when I go out and talk, they say, tell us about your church. I say, hey, if it walks in Cleveland, it's in Garfield. If if it's out in Cleveland, it's in. I say, we're a Noah's Ark church. We got two of every kind. And they go like, how's that possible? Because we're unified. Not on policy, not on polity, not on candidates or parties. We don't worship an elephant or a donkey. We worship a lamb. We are unified. We are unified under Christ Jesus our Lord and we can have tough conversations and we can weep together and we can be honest together and that we got to guard that when Paul wrote to Timothy he said these words guard the good treasure entrusted to you by the power of the Holy Spirit at work with you and in the name of our house of prayer team come Holy Spirit
guard the unity of this church. Bring us bone to bone together. So this is our ministry. This is what the people did in their time of grief. They gathered. They went back to the foundation. They grew. And they guarded it. Ultimately, Nehemiah built the walls around it. If you read Ezra and Nehemiah, he built the walls. And you know when he built the walls, the people didn't like that? You know, there is an enemy afoot in our world. Okay? Jesus called it the prince of the power of the air. And they, they were building the wall, and I loved it. If you read Nehemiah, they had a sword in one hand, they had like a, you know, a chisel in the other. <laughs> they're building the wall and they're guarding it. They're building the wall and they're guarding it. And that's what we got to do. We got to fight for our kids. We got to fight for our youth. We got to fight back and take back what the enemy has stolen from us. And we're always, and I, I, I have a friend of mine, Jim Putman, he pastors a big church out in Idaho, and he told me one time, he was a college wrestler, I was a college basketball player, and he said to me, God, Chip, we're athletes. Why are we in the church so content to play on the losing team? Mm, wow. And why are we always playing defense? When Jesus said, you will go, I'll build my church, and you will tear down the gates of hell. We need to go on the offense with the goodness. Don't be offensive, <laughs> but be out there sharing the light and the hope. God never leaves himself without a witness. That's the, the Bible's clear on that. And one of the young children, and my heart is grieved, and I have cried more in the past two weeks than I've cried probably the entire six months prior. But I, I listened to an interview, and there's one young girl whose name just sticks with me. And maybe you've seen it. Her, she was a 10-year-old victim. Her name was Navaya Alyssa Bravo. And her aunt got on TV and said, do you know what Navaya's name backwards spells? Heaven. I am um, been getting, what, what's been getting me through in the last week, you know, I shared the video. We had a baptism on Wednesday at our kids club. Logan was baptized. We shared that video last week. You saw it. I hope you saw it. We were at the Asian festival after and I, I, I there were about 11 Garfield families, and they were all talking about that video. And I, I was like, oh, oh, so you were there? They're like, no, we were online. <laughs> so I know you're out there. Um, but, but Logan ministered to me as he went to Walter's baptism. Guess what? You know what happened this past Wednesday? Two more young people were baptized. Orlando. Orlando was baptized, and the young man I'm going to show you in just a minute was baptized. And this young man wasn't scheduled to get baptized, but he saw Orlando getting baptized. And he turned, turned and he said, I need Jesus. And Scott's like, well, you got to go tell your parents. He's, he's, my mom's in the parking lot. He ran out to get his mom out of the parking lot, dragged her back in so he could be baptized. I'm standing on the pew crying buckets as I do, filming it. And a mom's standing next to me, and she's crying. And I put my arm around her. I said, way to go, mom. Gather. Grow. Guard. Why now are these kids running to be baptized? We've been over there five years with Kids Club. Why now? I told Scott, God is trying to tell us something. So look at what happened just this past Wednesday. Let's play this one too. And when we baptize you, Logan, I want you to stand over here beside me. And I want you to have, I want you to put your hand up here on Ian's head. And, and there's a reason we do that. We, that's, a, that's an ancient, ancient way of blessing someone. And we used to, it used to be the oil over people's heads. And, but in baptism, we just put our hand on the person's head. And, and, and it's like, it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit's using our hand 
to touch him because we can't feel the Holy Spirit because he doesn't have skin and bones. He's a spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through us. And that way Ian knows that God's touching him right now and loving him, okay? All right, so you get up here. Stand up there. Stand up there. All right, man, are you ready to say you're done managing your own life and you're going to make Jesus in charge of your life? Yes. Are you ready to say, I know there's a lot of bad stuff that's out there in the world, and I'm going to join with Jesus and working against that bad stuff. Yes. Are you ready to say there's a lot of lonely, hurting, lost, suffering people out there? I'm, I'm going to join with Jesus to make sure as many people as possible know that Jesus loves them. Yes. And are you ready to say that, that I want I want to have the bad, the, the, you know, all the bad stuff you've done to just be washed away and be behind you forever? Yes. You want know I'm gonna stop and say something right now because I just thought of it. I think I need to say this. You know what? God, God forgets things. God doesn't forget much. God's perfect. God, God doesn't. Do you know what? What's the one thing you know that God forgets? Do you know? Your sins. He does. When 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 we screw up and we go to God and we say, God forgive me, and then we come back like 15 minutes later and say, God man, I'm still feeling bad about that thing I did. And God goes, What? I don't remember anything. It's done. It's gone. You ready to have that with God? Yes. All right. All right. Then are you ready to be baptized? Yes. I agree. You are ready to be baptized. I need an adult. I need an adult. Here's God. I thought I was ready. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I reached right over my stomach. I'm sorry. All right. You, you can cover your nose if you want. Ian Freeman. Logan and Dre. And me and Garfield Memorial Church, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Baptized a week ago Wednesday. Now he's in the water, laying hands on his friends. I'm declaring right now that young boy's called to ministry. And I'm going to do everything I can to nurture him on that path. There's something happening, God. Guys, there's something happening. You're doing that. You're paying for that. You're, you're sponsoring that. God is showing us something. Guess what? Right about now, there's a fourth baptism taking place over there. Hallelujah. It's a young girl being baptized this morning. She was, at, she was at kids club. She wanted to be baptized, but she had to go to her sister's graduation. So the dad came in and said, look, she wants to be baptized. I'll be here Sunday. And you know what her name is? Araya. I was driving here this morning. I just kept saying her name, Araya. I said, Terry, what is that? Araya light? Araya sunshine? Araya of God's love? That's worth fighting for, friends. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and I will heal the land. Amen.